Welcome back to Spend, Donate, Invest. When we think about the things that keep us up at night, whether that's climate change or homelessness, poverty, racism, or the systematic oppression of any group, we usually talk about how we can claim our power when we vote. Some of us might even organize ourselves in other ways. We might protest. But what about our money? Are there ways that we can use our money in line with some of our other values? That's exactly what this show is about. You can send in your letters with whatever you've been thinking about. I'll do some research, talk to experts, and come back with some thoughts. Hopefully you'll walk away with some helpful suggestions. You might laugh, you might think differently than you did before. Either way, thank you for being here. Here's today's letter. I am low-key stressed about Elon Musk and Twitter. At first, when he said he wanted to buy Twitter, I thought he was just trying to get the attention that he craves, (laughs) but it turns out he was serious. And I just read that he is going to buy Twitter. I know on a rational level that he's not the first billionaire to buy a media company, if that's what Twitter even is, but I feel stressed because I see Twitter as having been instrumental to some of the social causes that I care about. All of this has me thinking about something I heard on an early episode of the show about ESG. So my question is, if Elon Musk becomes one of Twitter's leaders, would that change Twitter's ESG score? All right. So thank you for sending in this question. You know, I had a similar reaction reading Elon's first tweets about wanting to buy Twitter. I thought it was a distraction tactic because I had been hearing some whispers that maybe things weren't going well at one of his factories, but then he persisted and I hated learning what a poison pill is. (laughs) If you missed that day of the news, it was where a bunch of corporate board experts were educating us all on this strategy that they call a poison pill. It's where a board doesn't want someone to get too much power. Anyway, I hate that I've already said this term twice on today's show. So Elon Musk persisted. That's the point. And then it seemed like, boom, we woke up one day and it was announced that they reached a deal. It's almost like all you need is a ton of money to get your way, even if everyone hates it. (laughs) But of course, not everyone hates it. You know, the Tesla bros and the Elon Musk diehard fans are super pumped. And you're right. It's not the first time a billionaire with questionable ethics bought a media organization. We all remember when Jeff Bezos bought the Washington Post. We all know that Rupert Murdoch owns the Wall Street Journal and Fox News, along with other media companies. Technically, Twitter is a social media company, but... We all know it's where a lot of people go to get their news. It's where people have coordinated with each other to rally support for movements, the Arab Spring, for example, or the Me Too movement, which was sparked by Tarana Burke. Now, I do want to be really careful in saying that I don't think Twitter is what enabled these movements. I think it was a tool. And in fact, I'm going to link an op-ed in Al Jazeera that argues this idea that the Arab Spring would have happened even without Twitter. Uh, But so Twitter has its problems. If you've been on there for five minutes, you've seen this. There's a huge problem with hate speech and harassment. 
Oh my goodness, we could talk about misinformation on Twitter. There are so many problems with Twitter. And it's curious that Elon Musk's only stated goal right now is to make speech even less restricted than it is now, because that's not even the top five problems that the platform is facing. But, you know, if you've read Elon Musk's tweets over the years, (laughs) you'll remember some of the wilder tweets that he sent out. The one that I always remember is when those kids were stuck in the cave in Thailand. Do y'all remember that? So there were rescue teams on the ground, diving experts. Several governments were trying to work on this problem. The whole world was watching. And what is it called when someone finds a way to center themselves in any situation? Um, It's like main character, main character syndrome or... What is it? I don't remember. Something like that. But Elon Musk volunteered to quickly build this kid-sized submarine, (laughs) test it in swimming pools in California, and then fly it out to Thailand. And of course, they didn't end up using those submarines that were invented that day to get the kids out. They ended up carrying them out. But where things went wild was when a British diver who was a part of the rescue effort said that Musk's whole submarine thing was a PR stunt. And what was so wild was Musk tweeted back um, to the rescue driver that he was a pedophile and that actually his submarines were awesome. (laughs) Somebody needs to take Twitter off of his phone. (laughs) Actually, I'm going to link, there's a a list that somebody compiled of the seven tweets that Elon Musk has sent that just put Tesla stocks on a roller coaster. And that really brings us to the point, which is that it all sort of points to Musk's biggest liability, which is that he's unreliable. He's erratic. And that's the word you usually hear to describe his leadership style. He's erratic, which is not good for the health of a company. And that is reflected in his company's ESG score. So we've talked about ESG stocks on the show a lot in the past. It stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. And nowadays, unfortunately, people tend to use ESG as a shorthand to mean it's a socially responsible stock. I hear people say all the time they're looking for ESG stocks. And what they're really trying to communicate is that You know, they might be looking for greener stocks or stocks for companies that have a good human rights track record. But that's not what ESG actually means. ESG is not a measure of how wholesome a company is. ESG is a risk rating. Companies get rated on how risky they are across those three categories, environmental, social, and governance. So environmental risk is about the risks they tend to take when it comes to the environment. For example, how likely are they to have an oil spill? Social risk is about the risks they tend to take when it comes to their people. So what are their labor practices? Are they taking big risks with data protection and privacy for their customers? And then governance is about the risk they take when it comes to how they run their company. Are they taking big risks when it comes to their board composition? How risky are they when it comes to how they pay their executives and how they do their audits? 
ESG is a risk rating. It's not how virtuous a company is. So even if you get a company with a great environmental score, which is boosting their overall ESG score, remember, it's a risk rating. Just because a company isn't taking big risks, it doesn't mean it's actually proactively good for the environment. It just means they probably aren't going to make a big mistake, which will end up costing shareholders. So it's not a bad idea at all to consider including stocks with great ESG ratings in your portfolio. I mean, after all, that's the whole point is a, a great ESG scores mean it means a company isn't risky. But please just don't forget that it doesn't mean much more than that. If you know that, you're going to know more than the vast majority of investors that you hear talking about socially responsible investing. So Tesla's ESG score is 29. You mentioned that in your letter. Um, so 29 is sort of in the medium, medium high range. So medium risky, medium high risky. They have a low risk score for the environmental score, even though there are some serious concerns about the cobalt that they're using to make their batteries. But the reason that Tesla has a, you know, not so great ESG score is because of the social risk score and then the governance risk score. So the social risk score is probably about their labor practices and their equal opportunity protections, that sort of thing. Tesla is known to have problems here. They don't provide a safe environment for their employees to work in America, and there are a lot of really credible reports uh, of child labor being used in the Democratic Republic of Congo and some generally unsafe conditions for all of their employees that work in the deep, unstable mines. So that's probably what is contributing to Tesla's high social risk score. And then for the governance score, we've already talked about how erratic of a leader Elon Musk is, so there's no surprise that the company is seen to have a somewhat risky governance. So all three of those components, the E, the S, and the G, are what are rolling up into that 29 ESG score for Tesla. So in your letter, you talked about the existential dread you were feeling about Elon Musk buying Twitter. And the question that you posed was, you know, just trying to guess what would happen with Twitter's ESG rating if Elon Musk becomes the new leader of the company. It's hard to predict. Twitter's environmental risk rating is currently similar to Tesla's. And actually, most of these social media companies have good environmental risk ratings. But Twitter currently has a better social risk rating and governance risk rating. So it's pretty easy to imagine that the governance risk rating will probably get worse if Elon Musk is successful in buying Twitter, but it's unclear to me, at least, if anything would happen to the social risk rating. For what it's worth, if I can send you some comfort knowing that the deal might not go through in the end and maybe Twitter isn't quite the revolutionary tool that we pretend it is, and maybe... Maybe those things will provide some comfort. I don't know. But either way, I think Tesla and Twitter can provide an education on how ESG ratings work and a reminder not to get caught up in the hype. Thanks for joining today's discussion. You can always send in your questions by emailing the address in the show notes. You might be wondering about how you can support the show. I hope that's what you're wondering. <laughs> There are a number of ways to do this. You can subscribe 
on whatever platform you prefer for your podcast. You can share an episode with a friend. That's probably the biggest help you can provide right now. It turns out that's how people discover podcasts. It's not me telling people about the show. It's actually you all, the listeners. You can click on the buy me a coffee link. You can also write a review for the show or click around on your app and see if it lets you give the show five stars. Thanks so much for your support and let's talk again soon.